0: Hello and welcome. This is Search for Truth, your Bible teaching programme with Brian Johnston. Thanks for joining us. In Brian's talk today, we move on from last week's consideration of Christ's sacrifice and instead talk about the worshipped Christ. And that's in connection with our study subject of the supremacy of Christ. We're looking into the Bible once again today with Brian to learn how the worthiness of Jesus Christ makes him the Supreme Sovereign Lord. The term worship, of course, is an acknowledgement of the worth of someone, or worth and this time the worship or worship of Jesus Christ. So, now to Brian.
1: Thanks John. Yes, because of the Lord's divine nature, And because of his becoming also man, to complete his redemptive mission at Calvary, Jesus is supremely worthy of the worshipful adoration of both angels and men. Historically, and down to present day, throughout the world's cults and false religions, there have been, and continue to be, people who refuse to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God, despite the clearest Bible statements which this series has already been considering. When we come to the songs recorded in the fifth chapter of Revelation, we again discover that Christ is worthy of worship, and that's only appropriate to someone who's divine. Verse 9 says, that's Revelation 5, verse 9, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book, and to break its seals, for you were slain, and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and might, and honour, and glory, and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and dominion for ever and ever. I'm afraid I think many modern worship songs are shallow and at times concentrate too much on our freedom and our happiness. By contrast, this song in Revelation chapter 5 has a depth that's immense. I'd like you to notice with me the following facts about this hymn of praise, which gives us many reasons to praise the Lord. The first reason, Christ is presented as having been the one qualified to take the prophetic scroll that foretold events to come. Remember Revelation 5 and 9 and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book. He literally holds the future in his hands. In the upper room, back in John chapter 13, even as Jesus bent down to wash the disciples' feet, it was in the full realisation, even then, that the Father had entrusted everything into his hands. He's the sovereign Lord of history. In resurrection, he's been exalted to the supreme place. He's been given the highest name or title, that of Sovereign Lord, even as Isaiah had glimpsed him on the throne of heaven long before. Why would we not praise him? In fact, that's the title of a hymn our churches in the Philippines love to sing. It's called Walay Rason," or No Reason. It's asking what we've just said. What reason could there be not to praise the Lord? As well as being the one qualified to take the book. Another reason, the second, is based on Jesus' worthiness to orchestrate the future. Listen again to verse 9 of chapter 5. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. I'm intending to emphasise those last words, and to break its seals, declaring things to come the theme which occupies the book of Revelation and gives it its content. For we take a futuristic view of the book of Revelation, but Jesus' sovereignty over the future is in turn based on the fact that he shaped the past. The Lord of history entered history and by his own shameful death on the cross secured a glorious destiny for all who put their sole trust and hope in him. For you were slain, and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Now, coming to the third reason for Jesus' worthiness to be praised, we are reminded that his work at the cross was not only to deliver us from sin, it was not only to grant us forgiveness, but also to satisfy that which the heart of God had been searching for. In John chapter 4, Jesus defined his mission on earth. Let's look at that. These are among the words Jesus spoke to a woman from Samaria, as recorded in John chapter 4 and verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, Salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What a mission statement. The Father seeks worshippers. It's worth realising that our mission statement in evangelism should be nothing short of that. Mission is a means to an end. The chief end of all things is the glory of God. And so the goal of Jesus' death was to provide his God and Father with worshippers. Nothing short of the cross could achieve this. And nothing less than this is an appropriate assessment of the value of the cross. That's why the praise of heaven is, you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Yes, the destiny of once lost sinners is to be a kingdom And to be priests for God the Father, we are to worship God for Christ. And fourth, the fourth reason for worship, the worship of him, is the one who succeeded in bringing about such a staggering transformation is associated with power, riches, wisdom, might, honour, glory and blessing. All these are ascribed to him and they are his by right. Revelation 5 and 12 tells us, They say with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And finally, we observe from this song that the worship addressed to him is identical to the worship offered to the father in verse 13 and every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and dominion for ever and ever. This reflects the fact that the deity of God the Son is an undiminished deity. There's absolutely nothing inferior about his divine nature as compared with the Father as we've commented on before in this series of teaching about Jesus' supremacy. And so, the worship of heaven was directed to him who sits on the throne, the Father, and to the Lamb, the Son. This is in full agreement with the fact that the Hebrews letter opens by informing us that when Jesus again comes into our world, the angels will worship him. Hebrews 1 and 6. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. In addition, we read in the Gospels of recorded times when Christ received human worship, beginning with a well-known incident shortly after his birth, when the so-called wise men in Matthew 2 and 9, after hearing the king, they went their way, And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. It was no different for those whom he'd later called to be his followers. Once when, in Matthew 14 and verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. The disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were terrified and said, it is a ghost and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. It was the same story with the blind man whom Jesus healed and who'd been persecuted for his testimony to Jesus' power. John chapter 9 tells us in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had put him out and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him could any more conclusive evidence be given that Jesus is fully God and deserving of full divine honours? And yet, while serving in capacity as our human high priest, he too is a worshipper and brings all those gathered as God's obedient people before God as a spiritual priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices of praise to his God and Father through him. Who can compare with our Lord Jesus?
0: I don't know whether you agree, but I think the more we appreciate Christ's worth, the more appreciative will be our worship of him. I remind you again that there's a transcript booklet of all these talks and it's free. So if you'd like one or more, because some listeners tell us they use them in house group studies, then ask for the title, The Supremacy of Christ. Now, I'm about to give you our contact details so you can write off and ask. So if you've got pen and paper to hand, here they are. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. I'll repeat that. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info You might be interested to know as well that many titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into ebooks and are available at Amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle dash ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you'll find them. So, once again, thanks for the privilege of your company today. We do hope you enjoyed today's talk. And next week's study focuses on the prophesied Christ. So please join us. Until then, very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.